And hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... <laughs> Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome in to this episode of Big Drive Energy. It is International Podcast Day, or National Podcast Day. I fucked that up, but... You no, know. it was international. International. right the first time. This is around well the world. So, we decided to record a special pod for you guys. We got a great guest on. Um, but first, we want to tell you guys about DNVR Golf and who we are and what we do. So, we're trying to bring Colorado Golf to you guys and show you why Colorado Golf is so awesome. And, unfortunately, now our nuggets are out. The Rocky season's over. The Avs season's over. The Broncos are 0-3, looking to be 0-4, or maybe 1-3. Either way. So golf is all we have right now. Like, golf is what we got. We show up at the golf course. We work. We play golf with our buddies. Like we've said multiple times, fall golf is the best golf in Colorado. The trees are changing. Leaves are changing. So if you haven't became a DNVR golf member, do it. You can upgrade your DNVR regular membership to a golf membership for ten with $10 off using our code BDE. So use that code BDE, get yourself a golf membership, gets you a CGA membership, a handicap, uh, discounts on lessons with both of us, discounts at Common Ground, discounts at the Valley of Fun where our guest here plays all the time. I'm sure we've got some great stories coming up from the Valley of Fun where we just hosted a weekend Ryder Cup with all the, the our favorite men's league guys, so it was a blast. Um, you get, like I said, discounts on lessons with us. And if you guys want to do lessons, you guys want to do fittings with us, just email us. Our email is golfbros at thednvr.com. So hit us up on that email. Also, we haven't plugged this yet, but if you ever just want uh, a quick thing, like a quick lesson over the internet, shoot us a tweet with your swing. We've been doing a few instructional things here and there, and it is actually a lot of fun for us. And if you, we can't meet up, you know, if you live further away from us and you don't want to make the drive, give us a shout on Twitter. We can definitely uh, do a quick little swing video over the uh, over the Twitter sphere and get that to you. So, yeah, slide into we'll, our we'll DMs. roast you a little bit. Yeah, slide yeah you're not in. safe. Be careful what you wear because it's probably going to get made fun of. Any little quirks you have in your swing is also going to get made fun of. But at the end of the day, we're going to give you some input. It'll be a compliment sandwich. We'll yeah. go, well, kind of an open face one. We'll probably talk shit first and then we'll help you out with golf. So best of both worlds there. Exactly. So uh, without further ado, our guest today, Mr. Chase Hackett, a.k.a. Prison Stare. <laughs> um, not going to lie. The first, like, probably two years I knew this dude, I didn't. When you you know when you work at a golf course, one of the most interesting things, Mitchell, you can speak to this too, is you get people that come out there that are like, even the Valley of Fun, like lawyers, doctors, people. But you have no idea what they do. 
they show up. Even like the like some of the dudes that make the most money show up in the most raggedy ass golf clothes and fucking you're, and, jeans and a t shirt. Yeah, whatever. and you have no idea what they do. And so we meet people, but we don't always know what what they're about. I like, remember you and I talking about this. We're like, what do you think? What did Chase do? Because he's got a full sleeve and everything. Like he's typical hard ass. You know, he's not talking shit or anything, but. Come to find out, he used to fight in the MMA. So he was an MMA fighter. He fought on, um, what's the fighting show? God damn, I'm drawing a blank. Ultimate Fighter. <laughs> he fought on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, he, he does a lot of uh, Muay Thai. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, she did. Muay Thai. Muay Thai. Perfect. Um, but he's just so sick all the way around he's one of our favorite guys out of spring valley and when we found out he did that we're like holy cow it because we already knew how good of a golfer he was and even since then you you were an eight handicap just to give people an idea you were an eight like a couple years ago now you're what like a five yeah i think like a five five point one five one he's getting down there so we really wanted to have him on because when i thought about it more i thought of somewhat of the similarities between golf and uh, mixed martial arts, which is kind of fucking wild because they're on totally different ends of the spectrum. But Chase actually agreed, and so we're going to get some of his opinions on those, get some stories from him about the uh, the UFC, MMA fighting, all that stuff. Um, so let's introduce Chase Hackett. Well, thank you, guys. I, I'm so honored that you guys would have me on the show because I'm Shut definitely up. not that interesting. Uh, but I really even your wife it. said that. Yeah, my wife. I told my wife like, "Hey, Mitch and Spence want to have me on uh, on their their podcast." She's like, "You're not cool enough to be on a podcast." So I was like, "Oh, that's nice." <laughs> she doesn't. Know I think anything. she's partially right though. <laughs> no, um, no, I I know you have plenty of stories. So. Oh yeah, I, I got a lot of stories, and uh, it's 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 been a, a crazy wild journey, and it's it's everybody jokes. It's, it's funny because I'm a dad now. I'm married. Uh, prison stare is 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 something of the past, but it's you can't ever get rid of it, <laughs> which is kind of a skin to linger forever. Yeah, it's it's never going away, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that. Which yeah, uh, I was, so I was just going to ask you for those of you who don't know, Spencer mentioned it, but prison stare was like Chase's fighting nickname. Um, you know, uh, give me some other Stone Cold. You know, oh well, yeah kamikaze uh there's so many yeah so that that was your nickname but how did you get that nickname is the real question so it actually wasn't even a fight nickname it was just <laughs> what like my buddies in the gym called me um and you just give them the eye or it's uh, uh i hope my uh grandparents aren't listening to this um <laughs> actually everyone everyone knows about it it's uh it's it's been been said many times but um one time after practice one night we were i think we were at uh texas roadhouse eating eating dinner and i mean texas roadhouse has cute servers and oh yeah like no doubt just, yeah dude they hired talent yeah Don't and, around. and at the roadhouse. And, and we were sitting in a like a booth that i was like facing towards where all the uh all the all the servers were walking by <laughs> and this good-looking girl walked by and i I looked one way and I just like I didn't realize it, but I was staring <laughs> profusely and I like span past my buddy who's sitting across from me 
And then I just kind of noticed that he just has this like bewildered look on his face. And he's like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, it looks like you just got out of prison and haven't seen a girl in, in 10 years. And, and, okay. and it just kind of evolved from that. Like it just turned into prison stare. That's I awesome. Guess because I, I give uh, severely creepily looks to, <laughs> to girls. Well, um, I was going to say, I've seen pictures of you like on the internet from your fighting days where you're given like like the one eyebrow up like that kind of look yeah. oh yeah so go check out twi chase on twitter at prison stare and you'll see from immediate first picture you're like oh yeah makes sense yeah fucking dope mustache by the way That's i wish we could bring that back <laughs> i know I, I rock it every now and then i'll bring it back i'm starting to grow the beard out so I you don't want to uh, scare your daughter though. i don't That's i don't want sure. to yeah uh <laughs> And that's the that's like the embellished one. The the true prison stare comes comes out on rare occasions. <laughs> My got wife got it when when I met her. Well, so. there you go. Yeah, that's, that's that's a good sign. <laughs> that is a definitely a good sign. Um, so give us some of your background in like the fighting world. Where when you started, when yeah. you went through things like that. Yeah. Well, just going back to the the the, the fight nickname real quick. Um, like I said, it was it was just a a name amongst friends, amongst training partners, and and within the confines of the gym. And one time I, I fought on a, a Midwest show in Omaha, actually Council Bluffs, Iowa, but just on the Sick. other side of Omaha. <laughs> and uh, VFC, Victory Fighting Championship. And I think it was my second or third professional fight. And you know, you do weigh-ins and they're like a spectacle at some local bar. <laughs> you have the MC, the fight MC, you know, a lot of times they'll, they'll come talk to you or you fill out a, like a brief thing, you know, but you know, it's not the UFC, so they don't know all your stats and all that. So, you know, they ask you like, what's your fighting style? What's, you know, what's, uh, I mean, records public, but, um, you know, and then one of the things is in this, in this instance, it was a piece of paper that you kind of filled out, you know, like you're checking into the doctors <laughs> and, uh, a questionnaire and, you know, there's always like a fight nickname and I didn't have one. And, um, so I left it blank and then, Fast forward to the next day, we're in the cage, they're announcing us, and I'm there with who is one of my best friends now, uh, Chris Camozzi, as well as our, our uh, coach, and the MC's, you know, announcing us, and, you know, he's like, from Denver, Colorado, Chase, prison stare hacking, and I just look over at my buddy, and he's just laughing, <laughs> so that's that's when uh, I just decided, all right, I'm just going to embrace it. That's and, when it stuck. Yeah, and, and just go with it. And, uh, I like it. I mean, I feel like it got me on the Ultimate Fighter show, because, you know, that's all about personality. Um, yeah. Well, I'm go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was going to ask you about, um, well, your fight career, but at what point did being on the show... Um, when was that in your career like towards the beginning no probably towards the end or, or, or it was definitely in the middle of my professional career okay uh, uh one of my buddies I, I mentioned before chris camozzi he was on the ultimate fighter show uh and, and at this point he had a ufc contract he was fighting in the ufc and you know they would do tryouts for the ultimate fighter and he him and i flew out to vegas and you know did did the tryouts and you know we can talk about more about that later it was a it's a pretty wild experience but um he he knew the producers pretty well from when he was on it granted that wasn't the only one they weren't the only ones making the decision but it um you know that's it was it was kind of what i want to say jump started my career because that's when i 
you know, quit my job and, and went uh, headfirst into it, um, which obviously I crash and burn. <laughs> <laughs> Been there. Greatly, yes. Been uh, there, done that. But, but that's kind of what started it. But, I mean, if you go back to when I very first started, uh, you know, shortly after high school, I grew up racing motocross. Um, I was pretty fortunate. My, my family, you know, supported me, you know, as a teenager and a young adult. And I traveled a lot. I was 16 years old traveling in a motorhome, just me and a buddy, like driving across the country to races, uh, to motocross camps, to all sorts of stuff and had nice bikes. And it was awesome. Like I loved it. And again, another sport that I turned professional that wasn't good enough to, to, to be <laughs> successful at, but it I, was, did, I did not know that. That's, yeah. That's yeah. really cool. I, okay. It's funny. My friends joke, like 10 years is like my, my kind of threshold of, <laughs> of hobbies or activities. Um, so they think golf's gonna fizzle out at some point, but I, I keep saying I'm just preparing for retirement. I was going to say, that's something you can do forever. Exactly. That, you're not racing you motocross can, or fighting for the rest of yeah, your life. You're that's not, not going to, you're gonna, not going to catch someone with their AARP card hopping <laughs> into the ring, yeah. getting ready to go toe to toe to, with somebody else. So exactly. yeah, that, that's hilarious though. Um, well, I want to ask you a little bit about golf and UFC. Um, how do you think, well, I'm sorry, not UFC, MMA in general. Uh, what do you think are some similarities between the two that most people would not recognize right off the bat? Because you are, in relative golf terms, you are a very good golfer and you're a professional fighter. So you kind of understand what's going on. And I actually referenced you on a previous pod. We were talking about our favorite lessons that we've given and I said you were one of my favorites. Which I heard, and I have to, I have oh. to say thank you. Yeah, well, it was just the body control that you have is just off the charts. Like, I tell you to make a certain movement, and you can just do it. And a lot of people don't aren't that self-aware of what their body is doing um, That in that uh, quick of time. I mean, it's all reactionary. It's all within split seconds. So it's not something that is very slow that you can you can take in as it as it comes like you have to go 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 you know it's you're thinking all the time you're always thinking of your next move so tell us some of the similarities you see between golf and mma yeah and you know just going back to my background like i i trained you know all aspects of of martial arts i never you know i never grew up wrestling or doing any traditional martial arts and i when i first started i started with brazilian jiu-jitsu and I never my Brazilian parents, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. Is that a different style? No, it's uh, I mean, the, the history is pretty crazy. You know, you have the Gracies that went over to Japan and and trained judo uh, with some of the original kind of judo masters. And and they're like, wow, this is interesting. And they just kind of developed. They evolved it into uh, into Jiu Jitsu. So it's 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 Jiu Jitsu. Uh, but it was started by Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so you gotta you gotta give you gotta pay respects where respects uh, are due. And, I and, see. Uh, you know that's where that's where it started. So that's how I started, and I loved it. And you know, like I said, I never wrestled, and my stepdad was the one that got me into it. And he's like, "Hey, you want to go try this Jiu-Jitsu thing out?" I was like, "Man, that's two dudes rolling around getting sweaty <laughs> on a mat. Like that is not cool." And he 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 talked me into it, and man, first class, I was hooked. I was like, "This is amazing," and. Uh, 
you know, and that's always been my passion. So all the all the different styles of fighting and martial arts, like jujitsu, was always my my jam. And and I ended up getting my black belt in, in jujitsu. And um, you know, with that art specifically, like it is, you know, you have to be in so intuitive with your body and all the positions and the drilling. Like you have to drill techniques over and over and over. And I feel like that really translated to golf because golf is, you know, you guys talk about it all the time on the show. It's, you know, you get you get out of it what you put in. And, you know, like, it, it, and it's funny because, you know, when you gave me the shout out about the lesson, it's it was it was almost the opposite feeling for me. <laughs> it was not I don't want to say it was it was great because it was things like. I need to work on this. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, like I wasn't able to get to the range that much and and and, and work on the things that that you talked about with me. But eventually I did. And, and it was honestly it was a struggle for a few weeks. Like if you look at my scores in men's league, like after our lesson, I was like went from shooting in the 30s to like 42, 43, 44. But then all of a sudden, like things just started to click. I was able to get to the range and drill and practice. Uh, but it's the same thing in, in uh, jujitsu and fighting like you. You have to get on the mats and you got to work at it. Yeah, there's there's no shortcut by any means. Like, and that's more what I appreciate about you than I think a lot of other people would or whatever. Is I understand what kind of time it takes, and you also understand as a student. And we've talked about this too. Some people think that getting an hour lesson is going to fix them. We're giving you instruction and you're doing the work. We're not doing the work for you. Just like jujitsu, you could have your um, your coach tell you what you need to do, but unless you do it, you're not going to improve whatsoever. It's not one of those things where you can naturally pick it up just by physical ability. I mean, it's, it's learn moves. And that's, that's what I really was getting at when I, I talked about our lesson was when I told you you needed to do something, even if you didn't get it right off the bat, you knew it was correct and you knew it was the right feeling that you needed to have and it wasn't just gonna happen overnight you know and I really did appreciate that about giving you a lesson it was just a lot of fun to see how an athlete like yourself and a great golfer you know great athletes and great golfers don't always fall into the same category so I don't know if I fall into either of those categories but well <laughs> you're an above average you're there above you average in both, right. but slightly above average <laughs> But like relating those two back to each other is, when did you start jujitsu? How old were you? Uh, I mean, I was a, a young adult. I think I was maybe nineteen or twenty. See, so that's impressive to me because, like, what what I've seen with golfers that the guys that get really good is you have to start when you're young enough to be able to, you have to be an elite level athlete to be really good at golf. In my opinion, not athlete, but you have to have elite level skills from the beginning and build up like that's what's so funny about golf in general to me is I watch people that and I'm sure it's the same it relates to jujitsu ju MMA in the same way like you have these meatheads that go to the gym or people that are really in shape and really fit right doesn't mean they can go out and swing a golf club properly just because somebody bench presses 200 more pounds than you doesn't mean that you couldn't turn them into a pretzel in two seconds in a ring if they got, you know, it's such, they're so technical in their own ways where you can't just show up to the range and be, and hit a golf ball well. Yep. You can't just show up in a ring 
And yeah, maybe you can throw a hard one punch. Unless it's but a street fight. Yeah, basically. but you're gonna get destroyed by any any dude that's been training for X amount of months, six, twelve months, whatever it is, in, in that gym and in that ring. Like you could beat the shit out of way stronger dudes than you. That's what that's exactly what drew me to jujitsu specifically is you know, you see uh even small women and small guys like my my stepdad who who got me into it i mean he's he's and he he fought uh as well like there was him and i were actually on the the same card one night both fought the same night my poor mom went through hell. <laughs> oh that's bad but yeah he's, that is he's sick. like he's like he fought uh 145 and i mean the dude's old as shit now sorry tony i love you but that dude's in better shape than i was when i was in my prime fighting like he's he's that he's just like a, a, a smaller guy but he's just you know and i've seen him do things to guys twice his size you know because he was proficient in in jujitsu and that's like man this is awesome like oh yeah and relating relating that specifically to golf too is you can have these kids we see a lot of high school kids some of them are five two five three they don't hit the ball near as far as these bigger kids that swing as hard as they can, and they got a good short game. They they putt well, and they're beating the shit out of these older, bigger, stronger, yeah. more athletic kids. I mean, even guys on tour, like look at look at some of the even. I mean, even Rory, like he's not a big dude. No, he bombs, and but he, he's like not not big whatsoever. But he's he's just got the perfect move. Exactly. To, to yeah, he's it. he's just as efficient as it gets. Like, and you look at guys like Brian Gay, who's he doesn't hit it very far, but then like Zach Johnson, he's won majors. There's plenty of guys that have made hundred millions and millions of dollars, maybe not hundreds of millions, probably with deals and stuff like that. But they've made a very, very good living, and they're they're not huge. They don't out hit anyone, and kind of like UFC or MMA, the jujitsu, it's more about the technicalities of it than it is anything and being strong is a bonus like in golf if you have the short game and you have everything but you hit it far that's a step above in jujitsu i'm assuming and you can oh, yeah. tell me no. correct me if i'm wrong the technicalities come first and the size comes second the, the raw strength comes second yeah you if you got a guy that walks in off the street and wants to get on the mats you know, against a, a even a blue belt or a purple belt jujitsu that's half his size that 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 jujitsu guy is just gonna mop mop the mats with him, but if you get a guy who's been training jujitsu who's also a beast, then that's a yeah, that's a that's a scary combination. That's like the Dustin Johnson of jujitsu. Yes, exactly. Like, he's got all the physical tools and he's got all the he's technical the game, tools. Yeah. yeah, and that's what kind of separates. We talked about this with Eric last week. Is that's what separates guys on the mini tours from. The guys on the big tours a lot of the time is uh, some technicalities, but some just pure physicality because it gets to a certain extent where everyone is technically pretty close to each other. So it gets to be more physical and it gets to be more uh, mental than it is like technical within um, actual movements themselves. So you can like the proper chipping putting whatever i mean it all kind of comes together but those guys separate themselves from the pack over the the course of four rounds kind of like i mean three or five rounds or however many you guys go depending <laughs> yeah. depending on the fight whatever um but that's what it seems like is uh really people can separate themselves 
by either outpowering somebody physically or just outthinking them. Yeah. Well, that's I was just about to say, like the other parallel between, you know, fighting and golf is the mental aspect, you know, and um, and, and there's different aspects to it. But I feel like that's maybe one of the things I was kind of missing in fighting, not necessarily that I was weak minded, but, you know, there's. I go into it as as like it's a competition like I'm I've been training my my ass off like you know I'm I'm a ninja on the ground like I'm competent on the feet like I can beat this dude but then there's other guys that go into it like sees the guy across the ring or the cage and they're like this guy is coming into my house to rape and pillage my home and I'm gonna kill him and I just didn't have that yeah that there's that killer instinct yeah like yeah I really didn't either where because you always struck me as a really i mean you are a very nice dude like i always wondered how you fought being that nice and that makes sense a little bit not to knock you by any means but i was in the same boat with golf like tiger woods did not give a shit about anyone he was focused on winning the tournament he was focused on putting everyone else in the dirt and i was just never like that as a golfer i'd go out and i'd want to like bullshit with my playing partners i'd never met the guys before and i'd be like yo what's going on man like where do you live what do you, you know like where do you play you know that kind of shit just kind of make conversation and a lot of these guys are like fuck off i'm trying to win this tournament like that's that's what i'm here for and i was more just about the experience and sometimes that that can set you apart from uh just a, just a killer mentality yeah and in golf you do need that i mean you definitely need it more in you in, in mma because <laughs> really it is literally no one's gonna be someone. punching you in the face yeah. on uh Whole whole eight is yeah Spring exactly uh, unless it gets a little nasty <laughs> yeah. yeah you never know we've had some rounds out there <laughs> it is the valley of fun <laughs> well so that's what I was gonna ask you too I was thinking about different things and I've always wondered this watching MMA fights and it kind of I want I don't want to say bothers me I don't think that's the right word but I've never been in a serious fight in my life so let's start out there right <laughs> he ran his mouth a whole but lot. sometimes when I get fucked up and i'm at the bar and somebody <laughs> says something wrong or something does something, I'm, I'm like all right i want to fucking kill this guy so in mma fights and ufc fights all what we watch on tv we you know we do the pay-per-view like afterwards they're like cool with each other they like dap it up is after. that like out of straight respect or is that like because to me like when i would get in that if 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 i ever got in an mma fight or if i ever got in a real fight in order for me to feel like i would need to survive I would have to feel like I this dude just said something to my mom and I'm pissed. Do you have to get into that mindset when you fight or is it just like, hey, I'm trained. I know all these movements. I'm just going to take it as it comes. And it just doesn't try matter to, who your like, opponent is. is. Job, like you treat I'm just going to handle same. it. I, I think that's different for everybody. Um, I feel like a lot of the stuff you see uh, you know, with these big fights, a lot of that is just to hype. It's all about marketing. Um, granted, there is a lot of shit talking involved at that level, and and people probably, you know, genuinely hate the other person that they're fighting <laughs> with. But when you get in the cage and you l literally beat the shit out of another man, and they beat the shit out of you for or woman, you know, for fifteen or or twenty five minutes, like you gain a level res of respect, no matter like how much you dislike them or despise them before those cage doors closed. So it's it's um, you know it's it's gladiator mentality. It's kill or k be killed, and at the end of it, you're like, wow, that was 
you have nothing left. You put it, you both put it all on the table and it's like, all right. And most of the time, like you become friends afterwards, you know? Right. Well, and that's, what's so funny about golf is like, (laughs) so we have this quote unquote killer mentality, whether we're playing nine hole matches, 18 hole matches, you're playing sevens on the green. Like you go into an 18 hole match and you make a, you're like grinding over this eight footer for birdie on 18 to win the match. And you make it and you're like feeling like the, the fucking man. And then you think about it and relate at that point in golf where we are in our lives with being, you know, golf pros and like living that life. We're like, yeah, we just just beat them. Let's go. And then like in MMA, it's oh, wow. I just beat the shit out of that guy physically, you know, so it's like it's like almost physical domination. Yeah, it almost like, makes me me feel stupid for ever getting excited. I, over I know. I, dude, I, I disagree. Like you should have seen me this weekend in the in the Spring Valley Cup in the Keith Cup like every birdie putt I made, I was just yelling. Like I was pumped. <laughs> like, and that's what, that's what I love about golf. And, and I, I, I mean, I feel like that's what turned me on to golf was like, I'm super competitive and it's funny. Like some of my closest friends and I like we'll play cornhole, we'll play bags. And it's like, dude, it is like, we got money on the line <laughs> and I feel like I'm pretty good at it. And it's like, it's like the world series, you know, like we're going to put it all on the line. And that's, and that's how I am with everything. I don't like being bad at things. And, and golf was just the next challenge. Like it is so incredibly challenging and it will like ruin. I've seen so many memes on Instagram about like dudes laying in bed next to their wife. And she thinks he's mad at her, but you're just thinking about that putt you missed on 18 to shoot, to shoot in the seventies. But it is, man, it's like, it's so rewarding and yeah like every birdie putt you make is just like it feels so good like you just gotta you just gotta fucking yell yeah (laughs) you just gotta (laughs) let it out well and that's the thing too is you feel like you earned it there's no like there's no shortcuts and we've said that a million times but i've got another question for you because we talked about golf um like you golfing angry doesn't necessarily benefit you you can't will yourself to be a better golfer during the round, I so mean, it's the same it's, thing. Okay, that's yeah. like, I can I mean, you can't let. I, I'm just making assumptions there, here. There's a there's a fine line of fighting emotional and and or being in control, you know. And for and sure, granted, I haven't, you know, been coming down the stretch at the Masters, <laughs> you know, with a lead to know what that pressure feels like. But it's the same thing with fighting, in, in the sense that. You know, like you, you have to be on that, that, that edge, like where you're losing control, but you're still in control. Like you're almost, it's almost like an out of body experience. Like you're outside yourself for sure. And you're just going off of muscle memory and training. And yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many fights I've had were like, and uh, obviously a lot can, can be said to brain damage i was gonna but say I don't, that you I don't, don't remember, remember a lot of it you know like <laughs> I, I mean that's fucked up that i'm laughing but we've talked about that where you like black out and same yeah. with a good round of golf like you rattle off i don't know i mean i made like six seven birdies in a row and you don't even remember like somebody will ask you about the putt you made and you're like i don't even remember if i hit it to a tapping or if i made the 10 footer like you you just get into that kind of zone like you said an out-of-body experience where you're you're almost it's an almost indescribable feeling because you're so in in control but you're not it's like you're watching this is this is from a golf book so you're gonna have to bear with me (laughs) but i read this and it kind of was like 
it was very relative. You're watching like uh, wild horses run through a field, and you can't control what they do, but you can control like how you think about it. Like all these thoughts cross through your mind, and they don't. But you don't need to like latch onto them. You can think something and let it pass through, and like never too high, never too low kind of mentality. You know, you don't need to like. Am I better than this guy? Am I not as good as this guy? Or is this guy gonna whoop my ass? Or you know, it's you, you got to be in what seems like that right mindset to me in order to do well in fighting and in golf because you you can never be too up on yourself and you can never get too down on yourself. It's always kind of that self-sustained confidence that you know how good you are and you know how good you're not. Like, if you know somebody's better than you, it's good to admit because some guys you see that just blindly think they're better than everyone else and then their ego gets completely shattered when they get beat. So in my opinion, you always kind of have to know exactly how good you are. And I'm kind of just rattling shit off here. But it's so crazy because the more we're talking about this, the more uh, more parallels I see between the two sports. So I think it's, it's, no, it's just, pretty it, nuts. Yeah, it's just, it's just different levels. You know, obviously when, when someone's trying to knock you out or choke you out, things are things are escalated quite a bit <laughs> but it's still it's not a it, five footer for par yeah Let's put but it you're that still way. you still have to keep keep things in check um you know and and you definitely you definitely have to be to be confident in in it but it's the same thing in golf like you know i think you guys on one of the one of the pods you talked about spence spence talked about being just like a ninja on the range you know, and that's that's the same thing in the gym, like and on the mats. Like you got guys that are like like killers, you know, but then they get in the cage, the lights are on and they go to shit, you know, and it's it's it because of the, the pressure and the competition and things like that. So it's it's just a different atmosphere when when the lights are on and or when you're you know, you're playing a tournament in golf like it's you know, you have to you got to find that balance of 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 where you're at mentally for sure well something i was going to ask you relating to this whole year this crazy coronavirus shit we're all dealing with nba finals is on there's nobody there stanley cup just was won with no fans what do you think how much do you think it affects mma fighters having a crowd versus not having a crowd i think it's it's big and granted it it, at the level you know like the big show like the ufc you know, fans are insane and, you know, it's just different level because I, there's going to be fans for both fighters. For me, like I really felt like I thrived when I fought locally. There's always more pressure and then you're dealing with ticket sales. You know, when you fight locally or regionally, like you're always slinging tickets. That's, you know, how a lot of local fighters are making their money is selling tickets and getting a, a kickback. Um, but for me, like having my friends and my family and like, you know, though you can't, you know, it's, it's 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 wild because when you're fighting and there's, you know, a few thousand people in the crowd and and shit's getting crazy. You're still able most people like for me, like I'm able to hear my cornerman, like I'm able to because you're spending hours in them in the gym and you got music playing and you can always just like hear so clearly like what they're saying and and yeah there's some instruction but just having that voice in the back of your head is 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 calming um but having like your friends and your family 
there like cheering for you and you know you take a guy down and you hear everyone you know get get rowdy and it's like it definitely brings another level um you know win or lose like it's it's just it it makes things different and i feel like now you know watching some of the ufc fights you know the fighters can hear the commentators and the stuff that they're saying and they're like they'll they'll banter back and forth like you know (laughs) someone will throw a nasty leg kick and and you know, Paul Felder will be, will say something about it, and whoever's fighting will be like, "Oh, that didn't hurt." And it's like, "What? You're fighting? Like, what are you doing talking <laughs> to the commentator?" So it's just a whole different level of, of, you know, it's just different. It's just so different. So I think I think it does impact. I think uh, both ways. I think just like in golf, there's probably guys that might might crumble, like you know, playing you know playing uh, the U.S. Open with Tiger and the crowds that he would draw and and that pressure. I think there's guys that fight that, you know, fight on a main card in the UFC and the, the MGM or Mandalay Bay or whatever is just packed. Like it's, you know, that's, and I've never fought at that level, but I've cornered guys and coach guys. When you feel the energy of, you know, a, a, a packed arena and they play that, that theme music when the main card starts and, you know, it's just insane. Like you can just feel the energy and just buzzing it's just buzzing yeah and it's just like it's like wow this is unbelievable so i would imagine in golf like not having that there's probably guys that thrive you know because they don't have that pressure but then there's guys that you know they need it too so for sure i i totally agree um here's another question i've always wondered this about fighting because guys will be like in a chokehold or whatever they're about to have to tap and they're cornermen shouting something at them i'm like in that kind of situation like it's almost like your caddy you're getting advice from them you're in a very kind of uh generic sense because they're not really the same but as a fighter are you actually listening to their advice that they're giving you and are you using that like when you're in that kind of spot where you're getting choked it's almost like a, a physical reaction. Like, or how hard is it to stay mentally aware in that situation and listen to your coach and do what he's telling you to do while you're getting like you'd choked be, out? You'd be surprised, like how how well you know. Yeah, like you're let's say third round of an MMA fight, close fight. It's been a just been a dog fight, and you know you got a guy that takes your back. He's got a choke in. It's tight. You see the lights closing up and, you know, they're like your body knows what to do. But sometimes like it's that like that fight or flight mode and and you just like you just react, but you don't do the right things, you know. And then and then, like I said, like it could be so loud, but I can hear on the other side of the cage. I can hear my cornerman and they can say, you know, do this, grab the hand, you know, clear a hook, whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah. And it just kind of brings you back into yourself and like this is what i need to do i've done this a million times i've been in this position a million times uh so yeah you you definitely can there's that's what see dude i've never thought about that that way either so that's super cool because i've i've always been like if i'm getting my ass kicked i you're like like you said the lights closing in you're about to tap out or get choked out like how can you possibly be aware of somebody yelling instructions at you but this just goes it goes back to the the kind of that what we talked about you know the drilling and the practicing and you know you're in the gym you know and you're you're we train bad positions like you train like I got a guy that's you know got a choke super tight and 
nine times out of 10, he's going to finish it. But you just put yourself in that position over and over again and figure out, even if I can escape it one time, like I know, I know what I need to do and I know how to escape this position. And, and just like golf, like, you know, you practice a certain shot or practice a certain lie. Like, you know, you do it enough. You only get it, just, it one out of yeah. every hundred shots, but you need to know you how to hit know that how shot to yeah, when exactly. it comes. Yep. Damn, dude. Okay. I've, yeah. I've never really thought about that. That's sick. That is really it's cool. The, the, you know, when, when I don't want to say when we train, cause I'm just a dad bod now, but, <laughs> uh, you know, like Chase is fucking jacked, by the way. No. He's definitely not a dad bod. No, my wife will beg to differ. <laughs> uh, so, you know, like I, I was in the best shape. So we have a picture when we walk in our house. We have a picture of me. Uh, I think right after I want to fight, I'm hand up and like I'm just jacked. Just cut. And I look at that picture every day and I'm like, oh. Disgusted with. I myself. bet your wife does. I'm too. gonna go have yeah. a few Coors Lights. Yeah, I can watch the TV. Yeah, but it bounce my daughter. You know, when you're a couple of when beers. you're training six days a week, two a days, a lot of the sometimes three a days. Like you can eat whatever you want. You know, you're not in camp. You're training hard, and now my caloric intake has not changed, but my caloric output <laughs> has changed dramatically. So, yeah, so that's a that's a tough topic for me too <laughs> something i've always wondered too about fighting and you can kind of relate this to golf like i feel like the more we talk about this the more it these, relates these yeah. relate it's, to each other it's, it's wild. an individual sport you're not relating you're not relying on other people etc cetera, etc cetera. you have coaches and you have caddies but so you go into every fight and you know generally know like now there's changes with coronavirus there's guys that will know who they're fighting weeks two weeks in advance but Normally, you know who you're fighting X amount of time before you're fighting him. How much goes into a game plan, kind of like golf, like when you... So I had to pass a PAT. This is not, <laughs> this is not even on the same level, but to be... Not a, even on the same spectrum. No, but to be a professional golfer, you have to pass a PAT. You have to shoot certain... To be a PGA pro. Yeah. Yeah, to be a PGA pro. Excuse me. For <laughs> what the fuck ever I am. What, what is, what's that acronym? Uh, professional golfers of America. No, no, no. PAT. <laughs> oh, player ability test. Okay. Okay. And so you have to go to a course. They set up the course for the PAT that day. There's like usually six to seven different locations in a year. And you have to go there that on the certain day that you schedule it, a bunch of other dudes are there trying to pass the same test. And, and the, chicks. And, and chi women. Well, yeah. Bunch of people. Yeah. Bunch of humans. Bunch of human beings. And... It's like it's like a like a combine for for golf pros. Yeah, okay. so you go there and based on the rating of the golf course and the par, you have to shoot, you have to play 36 holes straight and you have to shoot a certain amount of, a certain number in those 36 holes. Okay. Generally, it's around even par, couple over par, something like in that area for the 36 holes. And you have to go and, you know, we train. <laughs> I sound so <laughs> We lame. train. But you train for that. You practice for that as a PGM student, as someone trying to get their PGA professional card. You want to pass. You have to pass that. You have to do all your other stuff. You have to go to school, get your get your classes Boo. done. But you have to pass the PAT in order to even remotely think about doing this. And so you go into that with a game plan. And when I played my PAT, I played it at Fitzsimmons, which is, it was an doesn't old, even exist, doesn't even exist anymore, anymore yeah. right? It's a small Aurora. little track yeah. in Aurora. Yeah. 
and I rolled into there. Deep in the heart of Aurora. And they, you know, they kind of teach you on this in school, and they're like, all right, you got to pass your PAT. You hit a lot of irons. You just got to make pars. You know, it's not like you have to shoot five or six under and, and go out there and go birdie hunting. You just make a bunch of pars. You take it and you go. And so relating this back to what I where I started 10 minutes ago, it feels like at this point, I went in with a game plan of hitting irons. First couple holes, I made a few bogeys. I started bombing driver. When you're going into a fight, you have a game plan for like a fighter. You're, the guy you're fighting, you're say he's a good wrestler. You're like, all right, I do not want to get this guy on the ground. I'm speaking from the lowest level of knowledge from watching. <laughs> You've watched enough yeah, fights. Watched enough. <laughs> you know the deal. Yeah, so you got a good wrestler or you got a guy that's experienced in wrestling or experienced in grappling. The last thing you want to do is get yourself on the ground, get yourself up on the, on the wall, whatever. How much of that game plan goes into the beginning of the fight? And then is there a point where you just totally abandon it? Yeah, you just throw or it out you, the or window. Or is there, you've trained so hard and you know what that fighter is that you just stick to your game plan? Or is it just pure reaction? No, no, it's, that's, a, that's a great question. It absolutely is a game plan. I mean, early on in my career and, and even into my, my professional career, like you would fight people that there's not tape on like you you know they fought on small shows you fought on small shows there, it's really hard to see video of you know these these guys fights so you know it's there's an element of that it's more like oh he trains at this place their jujitsu school like he's probably good at jujitsu or he's got you know he's got four of his wins are from knockout like he's he you know he's a great striker but then, like, once you're able to, to, to get tape on guys, there's definitely, like, you know, like, you get together with your coaches and you sit down and you watch tape. And it's like, you know, like, the, we would have even, like, a, a, a paperwork that we would kind of fill out and we would study just like, you know, any sports or high school sports, watching tape on plays and, you know, uh, things like that. And then you, you game plan, like, okay, this is what – and you, we, oh, you even take it as far as like having guys imitate that style of fighting, or like if you're gonna fight a wrestler, you know, you, you know, you've got guys of all all skills and abilities in the gym or all backgrounds. So you pick out like, you know, all right, these guys all wrestle. They're they're great wrestlers. We're just gonna just train with them for your whole camp or most of your camp, or you're gonna get a lot of rounds with them, so that you can get used to guys like trying to take you down. So a lot of game plans. Obviously, you know, you get in a fight, say you're fighting a wrestler, and you're just getting taken down constantly. You're two two rounds down. Then it's like, all right, you need a fucking knockout or a submission. Then it's just kind of going for broke, somewhat abandoning the plan. But absolutely, like, it's all about preparation. You know, and I think, I think the whole pandemic has thrown a wrench into things because, you know, guys still, especially at the highest level, guys still know who they're fighting in enough – enough time in advance but there's i've seen so many fights where they're they're getting guys on a week notice two weeks notice you know and 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 that's that's tough you know that's tough for guys to take fights on on such quick notice because they they've say they prepared for a wrestler for six weeks and now they're fighting a striker like you know it's it's so hard to transition it'd be like if they changed you from fitzsimmons to to you know, Cherry Hills Country Club or something. You know, yeah, like you're hitting irons all the time on the range. <laughs> yeah. You're trying to pre perfect that five iron off the tee, and then they're like, oh, well, no, you got to hit driver. You got right? to hit, yeah, hit bar. Exactly. You got to hit straight. So piggybacking off of that question, when you're going into a fight and you, like, you know the fighter, but you don't 
necessarily know what's coming. Do you, is there a point where you're like, all right, I have to go back to what I'm good at, or I have to try to combat what they're good at? Like, do you want to go strength against strength, yeah, or do you, do you want to play offense versus defense? Exactly. You know, I, I feel like when I was fighting, a lot of guys were good. They had their strengths. You know, now guys are just, you got guys that are, you know, had have professional kickboxing fights were you know state champ wrestlers they're jujitsu black belts like they're just fucking ninjas everywhere you know 10 years ago guys were you know you had jujitsu guys that were really just good at jujitsu and they could they could hold their own in the other areas or guys that were came from from pro kickboxing that are now fighting mma and uh you know especially going back to the early days you see like hoist gracie that was you know, choking dudes out that were twice, they didn't have weight divisions, and it was jujitsu versus striker, things like that. But I would say, you know, there's definitely an element of trying to be, exploit your strengths or exploit the other guy's weakness. Like, I know I'm a better jujitsu guy than most other people that I'm going to fight. And I'm, that's, you know, nine times out of 10, that's going to be my game plan. I want to get the fight to the ground and I want to get them where I'm most comfortable. You know, if I'm fighting, if I'm fighting a wrestler, I'm okay if he takes me down, you know, but if I'm fighting a striker, I still want to go to the ground because I don't want to, I don't want to get knocked out by this dude. Like I want to go to where I'm comfortable. So yeah, there's, you know, it's all about trying to get to where you're most comfortable. Okay. And like one thing I've noticed watching, cause I've watched, especially when the pandemic was hit, like there was no other, no other sports. Fight Island on. has been electric. Yeah, UFC. Yeah, is the first yeah UFC back. is like taking it over, and there was multiple. Well, that's why we've kind of with DNVR golf have not exploded. That's the wrong word, but just golf in general has exploded. There's very few things that have been happening the last six to eight months, and golf is one of those, and UFC was one of those where it doesn't matter if you've never watched a UFC fight in your life or you watch every fight religiously. You're like, hey, this is live. This is happening. Dana White and the whole crew, they made it happen however they could. And so I've watched a lot more fights, but I listen to the commentary. You kind of know what's going on. How often in a fight, and you alluded to it earlier, you're like, all right, I've already lost these two rounds. I feel like, and maybe it's just the select fights I've watched, but sometimes the, the announcers won't know. They'll be like, hey, maybe this guy won, maybe this guy won. How often do you know when a fight doesn't end in a TKO or a knockout or whatever, where you're like, oh, maybe I won this fight, maybe I didn't, I, I, have, I need to go now, I don't? Because I've seen a few fights, and mostly from the commentating, not from my eye, because I don't know what I'm looking for, they're like, this guy won. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have both your hands there, and they raise the other guy's hand, and everyone's shocked. How often do you know that you've won or dominated yeah, a fight that, when it's not a full-on? That's you know, a that's choke. a tough one because you know you got you got in most cases you have three guys that are judging fights and it's very very subjective and you have guys that would see one thing happen and they're all three going to look at it differently or they're all going to they're all going to interpret it differently and it depends on what they're their backgrounds and I feel like most judges have some sort of martial arts experience but there's so many fights where like you know you see things you watch the fight and you're like oh yeah this dude won and the judges called the other way um but you know trying to look at it objectively 
and like you'd be surprised like if you watch fights and turn the the volume off and, and granted like the most of the time commentators like they're fighters they're professional fighters at least a couple of them are like they know they know what the hell's going on and and a lot of times the judges just make bad decisions but if you turn the commentary off and you watch a fight like you definitely see things a little bit differently because you don't have you don't have that noise coming in you know kind of getting into your subconscious like oh yeah they're right this happened that you're right so if you think of it that way and you look at it from a judge's eyes like you know it's like okay like maybe i could see how how they 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 scored it that way but in a fight you know it's for the most part i mean one of my my last fights and one of the things that put me in retirement i fought a guy tony sims who made it to the ufc just an athlete like great wrestler great striker i fought him it was one of those things like there was nothing on him before um and we fought at the paramount downtown and he whooped my ass and i remember like the ref stopping and i wasn't knocked out cold the ref stopped it and i was furious like what are you talking about? I'm in this fight. Like I'm fighting, like I'm doing great. And I watched the tape and I was like, Holy shit. Thank God he stopped it. (laughs) Um, but so yes, when you're in it, like, I feel like you're always thinking you're doing better than you are. And I feel like that's why corner man in between corner man in between rounds can help put things into perspective. And they're like, dude, you're, you're two rounds down. Like you need a finish to win. Like you got to knock him out. You got to choke him out, whatever. Because yeah, I think, I think, you're you don't really know what the hell is going on from the outset when you're in it it's you know just happening you so let, yeah quick. obviously if, if you're taking a dude down and you're pummeling them and you're you know and it's pretty obvious like you definitely can sense that but when you're in a dog fight like you always think you're doing better than you are kind of like in golf when you play that dude who you're in statistically like I'm going to ask you another question here shortly uh, that has to do with statistics, but it's like when you play that dude who say you're even par and they're two over, they think they should be beating you and like they're not, <laughs> yeah. but that's a tough thing with golf is versus uh, UFC and MMA is like you said, it's all kind of uh, subjective, like to the person watching it, like you can, watch it and have a totally different opinion than the person sitting next to you but with golf it's it's pretty cut and dry you know you're either winning or you're not but uh what i was gonna ask is statistics wise golf has come so far in the last probably the last decade statistically where guys study their greens and not greens and reg is actually a very bland um generic stat they're talking about strokes gain, tee to green, strokes gain putting versus the field, um, where even um, patterns as to where they're missing, uh, distance where they're missing if they're coming up short. They they track everything. So in the fighting world, has that changed? Like, do you guys look at their statistics about, like, strikes landed, takedowns, uh, certain positions they got in where they're missing where they're getting hit like where their their soft spot is do you guys study that is it is there any st- like numerically is, based is, yeah there's is fighting become as analytical as it seems like every sport in the world and yeah golf where there's especially. launch angle there's launch there's 
you know yeah, you got ball speed you got launch you got apex exactly got, is there you, anything comparable like that in fighting there there is there is but really only at the highest level yeah. you know like ufc does a great job of of keeping those metrics on you know takedown percentage takedown defense percentage leg kicks um exactly things like that but uh, do you guys really take that into account when no they... i mean maybe it's a little more binary like if you know you're going to be fighting a strong wrestler like you know like they're great at takedowns. Their their takedown percentage is pretty pretty high. Um, you know, I, I I don't think so from the inset of like a fighter. Like they're 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 gonna go out there and fight. They know the deal. Um, I think that's more for you know for the people on the outset. But I could be wrong. I mean, I never I never really fought at that level. Um, I coached at that level. But we you, you, we never really took it into consideration. But you were definitely seeing a change where you're seeing a lot more of that. So it could just be, you know, maybe in, in five, ten years from now, it, it could be a little more prevalent, you know, in terms of, of what the fighters are looking at and studying. For sure. And that's, I mean, golf has just gotten there recently with launch monitors being introduced and, and certain numbers that, that can ultimately produce certain results. Like if there's a glare like back 20 30 years ago in golf and i'm sure in fighting too with even the statistics they keep now versus then it has made such a big difference in the quality of a fighter or i'm sorry golfer and probably the fighter i would assume um when you you know what your weakness is and you improve on it because a lot of like you said when you're mid-round i mean there's a lot of guys in golf that and I'm not for it or against it, you know, I'm kind of in between, but some guys will keep uh, down to, they'll step off how many yards short they were of the, like say they hit seven iron and I think they hit it 175. Uh, they'll step it off if they come up short and they say they step off seven, they'll be like, I hit that 168, I missed it five yards to the left and they will categorize all of that and pick out very detailed patterns of their misses and where their weaknesses are in order to improve. So it's, it's just evolved so much. It's off the charts putting wise. I mean, all the technology anymore, it's, it's nuts, but we could kind of get into that at a different time. Um, I want to ask you about coaching too, because Spence and I are, are coaches more than anything now. Um, with golf versus playing. So you said you transitioned from fighting into coaching. Um, how much experience, what, what can you draw from experience versus technique? Do you feel like it's more experience driven or it's more technique driven? Because there is certain instructors in golf that lean solely on their experience. They're like, well, I did this in this situation and I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, and then there's the other side of it where, it doesn't matter what situation you're in. If you technically can do this, uh, you're, you're going to succeed. So give me your opinion on that, like technicality versus experience and probably some combo of the both. But what do you think? Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 I kind of transitioned into coaching, you know, it was, it was really not intended. Um, I was still fighting and our head jiu-jitsu coach uh, basically 
you know, stepped away from coaching and left a void that needed to be filled. And, and our gym owners said, hey, you know, do you I was kind of the next guy in line. I was I was passionate about jujitsu. I was a brown belt at the time. And I said, yeah, you know, like I'm I'm not making very much money fighting. I was like, this could be <laughs> a, a way for me to make make some more money. And I, I will definitely say that when I started coaching, you know, jujitsu specifically, that's what took my game to the next level. Like when you have to actually break down technique into step-by-step -step details, and, I, and obviously that's the same in golf, you know, like you can be, you know, you can be a pretty good golfer, but until you have to like show someone how to do it and, and teach them, you know, face-to-path angles and, and things like that, like it just changes everything. And, and when I have to teach somebody, whether it's a kid or an adult, like how, how to do a certain technique, you know, like you have to know every finite detail for that technique and you have to you have to be competent and you have to be able to demonstrate it. And that's what took my my game to the next level. So it's definitely a combination like, you know, all the years, you know, I, I, I had in training and doing it and fighting. But when I had to actually explain it to someone like I had to be able to demonstrate it and, and show them step by step. So I had to get in the details of the technique. So it's definitely both experience and technique. For sure. And I've noticed that as an instructor, it makes you more aware of when you're doing it yourself. So it's it's kind of a, a good thing on both sides because you do have to do a deep dive from the other side of things, not as the pupil, but as the person teaching. And it, it can definitely be beneficial for your fighting capability. I mean, as well. But that, that, that is the one true difference between fighting and golf is your physical capabilities with golf will last until you're, I mean, there's guys still playing really good golf in their mid-60s. Fighting, there's a smaller window, but kind of the same idea along those lines. Um, well, but, have you been, like, teaching someone and you, let's say, I don't know the level of your gym or that you, the level that you teach at, have you had some kid that's, 16 17 comes in he's a fairly fit dude maybe has like a little bit of an anger streak or whatever wants to get into it and you can just tell from the start you watch him make moves or you try to teach him something and you're just like this ain't it like you don't have it is there is that because we see that in golf we want as many people to play golf that's the reason we started the show dnvr golf all that etc we want as many people to start playing golf and having a good time that's where golf and fighting are different. Like you're not having a good time if you're getting your ass kicked in fighting. If you're having getting your ass kicked in golf, you're still riding in the cart, playing with your buddies, out in the nice, you know, hopefully warmish air, having you know, at a at a good a scenic place, etc. But have you just looked at some kids or some even some people in general that want to start fighting that you're like, they just don't have it. Like they just don't have whatever it takes to actually be good. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I mean, there, I coached, I coached, you know, average Joe's that just wanted to learn a martial arts and they wanted to get in shape and, you know, it was just something for them to do. And, and f even all the way up to guys fighting in the USC and, and there were, there's definitely both like, you know, and, and there's people that, you know, that are just coming in to train and, and honestly, those are, you know, probably just like guys on the course, like guys that just want to get better at the game. They want to get out and have fun and they want to be, they want to be somewhat decent at golf. 
you know, it's the same thing with jujitsu. Like guys come in, they want to, they want to learn, they want to learn, you know, how to be able to defend themselves. They want to get in shape. They want to have fun. You know, this is like their, 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 their escape essentially. And, you know, and then you have guys that, and yes, it, even at that level, there's, there's, there's people, men and women that you come across that are like, oh man, like, you know, this, this is a struggle. Like it's a struggle. They're on the struggle bus. I'm on the struggle bus, but you still, you know, you still do your best to, to help them succeed. And then there's people that have no intention of ever fighting that come in that are like, man, you are a ninja. You catch on so fast. And, you know, I feel like you could, you could, you could, you know, get into fighting, you know, just because it's come so natural. I feel like that was me when I first started. Uh, I'm sure that's debatable. <laughs> but then it, on the other side of the coin, you have guys that fight. You have guys that are just incredibly naturally gifted and they catch on so fast and you know they they they're winning fights they're getting to the next level and you know those are the guys that that succeed you know and i got to give a shout out to to you know a longtime training partner and friend of mine brandon royville you know he started training at this small jujitsu school uh with me you know shortly after i started and and you know he was just on the the main card at ufc 253 had an incredible fight one performance in the night choke the guy out like it's it's just incredible to see he's one of those people that you know you like he just has that 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 ability and then unfortunately there's you know we you talked about it being a individual sport and it is in a sense but you can't train for a fight by yourself like you need people in the gym to train and help you prepare and there's you know like uh mitchell and i talked about it the other night like there's for every success story whether it's in golf or mma you know, there's a dozen, a dozen stories about dudes that, or, or girls, um, that are never going to get to that level, but you need those people, you know, to, to help push the people that are, and, uh, you know, it's unfortunate because, you know, like you can't tell them like, yeah, you're probably not going to make quit. it, but, yeah. but we need you here every day to help this guy <laughs> who's probably going to make it, you know, they're going to fight, they're going to win fights and they're going to probably make some money but they're never going to make it to the ufc for and sure. you know you see that you see that early on like you know guys that 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 <laughs> that are grinding away in the gym but it's like man like you you know you, you you've given up your job you're sacrificing time with your family and you're just not where do you draw the, yeah, yeah where do you draw the line that a lot of mini tour players i drew the line a lot quicker than a lot of other people have and i may have had is not not as much success as other people or whatever, but I just decided, I was like, this isn't it. You know, like I got burnt out relatively quick on it. I mean, I love golf, but it's, it's so easy to get discouraged. And I was just like, uh, I'm it, at the point where you don't enjoy it day in, day out, I think is where it kind of needs to be done with. You know, if, if you're not loving what you do, especially in something like that, cause that really like when you're struggling, it's not like you're a CEO making three, four, five hundred grand a year. You're scraping pennies, making ends meet. You really have to fall back to your passion for it. And if you're not passionate about it, then you're why even there, you know? And that's kind of what I ran into. And there's other outside sources like you got married, you had a family, you know? And that's really what I plan on doing in the future. So I kind of wanted to set myself up for that. But there's literally, like you said, some people who I know guys who are in their 
early, mid, late 30s and 40s still playing mini tours. And who knows, they may get their shot one day. There's, like we said, there's plenty of success stories. Jimmy Walker didn't make the tour until his early 30s, and now he's probably made $20, $30 million out there. Yeah, so. you guys were just talking about Jim Herman you know, yeah. a few shows ago. Yeah, he he batted it around. He was a club pro, and, and now he's done really well for himself one, two, three times or whatever on tour. And, I mean that's a, well and there's a real there, good living there's also like this aspect of you know especially you know a while back you had guys a lot of brazilian guys who lived in the favela you know and and jujitsu is almost a national sport in brazil and you know you have all these guys that are just animals and they have nothing else like this is this is make or break this is how they're going to get out of the favela which is you know, like the ghetto in yeah. Brazil. Yeah. This is how they're going to provide for their family. This is, you know, and they make it happen. Yeah. You know, it and almost takes that yes. sometimes. And sometimes, and sometimes you can't have does. a plan B. Yeah, exactly. And that's just such a fine line to draw. Being <laughs> like, and I mean, it almost, it when you get put in a corner, you're almost better off because you don't have a choice. Like if you don't, if you have a fallback, you're like, oh, I could go do this. I could go do that. But when you are literally in the position where I have nothing else but this, it's I wouldn't say it's easier, but it it's it's much more of a blinders on kind of mindset where this is it. And there's some guys like that in golf. They're like, I knew I was gonna play golf. They you know, who knows what they'd be doing if they weren't playing golf, but they that didn't even enter their mind. They didn't even think about it. And a lot of times it does take that sort of passion and lack of compromise to get to where you want to be you literally are on a path and you're not going to let anything get in your way well it, it's funny because like if you look back at you know me growing up I, I uh, you know racing motocross like for me like it was my dream like I wanted to turn pro I wanted to you know race at the highest level and, and race supercross and you know looking back like i was never even close and then I got into fighting it's like I'm gonna you know get in the UFC I want to fight you know work my way up and 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 that was my goal and that was my mindset and even now with golf like it's 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 silly and I'm a realist and whatever but it's like man like I'd love to play in some like some amateur events maybe playing some senior events when I'm older like that's like like for me it's like you I guess I'm I'm playing devil's advocate because it's you know like I'm cynical. I looking back at fighting like there's some things I regret. Like I regret quitting my job or you know I was fortunate enough to go back to my job, but I cashed out my 401k. I'm like this is it. Like I'm gonna make it. Like yeah. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna do it. And now I look well, back. And I'm that's, like, what that's were you a thinking? mindset you have. To yes, have, but that's what you have to do. Like, but that's even the now, challenge. like with golf, like I I love golf. Like I just love it. And like. You know, like I think when I started at Spring Valley, you know, four years ago, I think I was like a 16 handicap. And then last year it was my goal to get to single digits. I finished at a 10 handicap. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, I just want to be a single digit. <laughs> and now it's like I'm a five handicap and I'm shooting like I expect to shoot, you know, in the in the 70s every time. And it's like there's no end to it. And yeah. it's like, all right, you know what? Like if I keep going on this path, like. Who knows? Maybe I could play in senior events at some point when I'm in my fifties, you know. And yeah. so it's like, 
obviously I'm a realist and like, yeah, that's probably not going to happen, but it's like, I have, you have to have some sort of goals in mind. And, and really like, even with golf, like I would love to get my daughter into golf and like we mess around and you guys talk about it all the time about forcing kids. And I definitely don't want to do that, but it's like, I've, I wish now, like I would have started playing golf earlier because for I can sure. see what it can do for your life and you can, you know, go to college on a, on a scholarship and you can, you can make a, a career out of it if, if you do things right. But you just, the, the amount of things you learn in life through golf is, is incredible. And it's like, I really want my daughter to experience that. Oh yeah. yeah you that, get your daughter that college golf scholarship. Yeah. Dude. No college for you guys. And no. I joke all the time, but man, imagine how much more golf I can play if I get my daughter into it and oh, I can take her out and her and I can go play. Absolutely. And that's, we've talked about this on the show tons of times, but people getting into golf when they're young, we always got made fun of in high school. Yeah. Oh, you're playing golf, dude. So sick. Like all the football kids, guess where they all are now? Yeah, they're Not playing in the golf. NFL yeah. and they're out on the golf course yeah. calling us up. Hey, you got a tea time? Hey, can we play? I'm like, dude, do you not? No, no, <laughs> no. And most of the guys we're cool with. Yeah. And now it's like, all right, but it's fun for us because maybe they were bigger, stronger, faster, all the, you know, adjectives in high school. We take them out on the golf course and just absolutely beat the shit out of them. And it's, you know, it's not a physical, like fighting, physical beat down, but they just know they watch shots and they're like, oh my God, you're so good at this. And we, and it's not like we're that good. Uh, speaking for myself, like, we watch pros and we're like, all right, that dude's light years better than me. But I go out with anybody that's even not my level and they think I hit the greatest shots of all time. Whether they're, I actually think they're good or not is a different story. But you play with people that are casual golfers, go out on the weekends with their boys and drink, and they want you to come out with them. They want to see good golf. And that makes you feel good, like makes me feel good as a professional or whatever I am. Because I go out and play, and they think I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. And so I'm like, hey, don't you regret those comments from high school now? Like, I'm glad you could run a uh, run a fucking quarterback option and, you know, be in. You know, like, it, it, they, they talk shit about it, but now everybody wants to do it. And it's one of those things where some people like it, or some people play it and don't like it, but most of the people that try it, get addicted to it full, like full on whether it's putt putt and then you go to top golf and then you progress to playing on a real course you get your own clubs you go out on the weekends with your friends girls guys whoever it is get addicted to it and it's just a great time and you can play until you're 50 60 70 80 we have a member that's 85 you know it's it's just a never-ending sport and that's what's so cool about it yeah. there's no window for you yeah. You, you're not going to be as good probably if you the later you start, but that's just anything in the world. Yeah. The later yeah. the the more you don't do it, the not as good you're going to be at it. But you can still have a good time not being. Good. And this is one of the funny lines from the like our very first big drive energy. But golf is just like sex. You can still have a great time and not be good <laughs> at it. Yeah. No. Hundred percent. Well, I, I uh, feel like I'm. Uh, I always have a great time playing golf and having sex. So. <laughs> I know I'm not feel, good at I feel, like, them, I feel so. like I'm highly proficient at both of them. <laughs> well, we should probably wrap this one up. Uh, before we do, we got to do our, our weekly segment or bi-weekly segment, Don't Be That Golfer. And Chase has actually got something in mind by the sounds of it. So we will let him lead us off. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I play with, I play golf, friends, guys in men's league, friends in men's league. Like, I play with all walks of life. Like, uh, I don't care. I don't care if you're, you know, a 40 handicap. Like, if you're good to be around and you can, you know, you can keep up and keep pace, like, it doesn't matter to me. Or if you're, you know, I'd, I'd rather play with a, a you know, a 25 handicap that's just good to be around and fun to be around than, you know, than a scratch golfer that's, you know, not fun to be around. For um, sure. But my don't be that golfer is in any circumstances, and I definitely have a hard time saying this because I know, like, you know, I played with Chris Lee on Sunday in the, in the Keys Cup on Sunday, and, uh, you know, he's like, oh, man, I fell asleep while you were hitting your drive because I probably stand over the ball a little too long. Something <laughs> I'm working on. But don't be that golfer that grinds on like one or two foot putts. 100 um, percent. Nine times out of the 10, you're probably going to miss it because you just read into it way too much. But you don't need to be looking at it from both sides of the pen, even if it's men's league, even if you're going to break 40 for the first time. Like, just get up there and hit it like uh you know, don't be that golfer that you hit it to one foot and you go up and mark it when, you know, three other guys got, you know, six to ten footers. Dude, our high school kids are the epitome of this shit. I'm watching a tournament and they mark a foot putt. I'm like, knock that. You can knock that in with your dick, dude. Like that. You <laughs> literally do not need to mark that. That is a joke. No reason. Like to. because you're, you're putting way too much thought into it. Exactly. You're miss it now. Yeah. Then you. By the time the other dudes are done putting, you stand over it and your knees are shaking. You're like, I'm going to miss this. If you go up there and tap it in, one, you could tap it in one hand and act like you're just having fun. It's going to go in more often than if you're sitting there grinding over it. 100%. That was definitely a very good one. Um, my don't be that golfer for this week is when you're playing in a scramble, generally a four-person scramble, and I just ran into this yesterday with our high school team, they were like rooting against each other. And I know you want to be better than somebody, but just understand your role in the scramble group. Like in when I'm, when I play scramble, I'm not, well, it depends on the group. If I'm playing with Spencer, I'm not the long hitter. I'm not the driver of the ball and that's fine. I'm the short game guy. Like everyone has to know their place a little bit. That kind of sounds like, dickish but it's it's a it's a team game in that case like one of the few times you get to play in a team event and even if you're playing in a two-man thing like if spencer and i play in a two-man thing uh i'm the guy that makes a lot of pars and throws in a few birdies he can hit it a long way so he has more potential to make birdies and eagles and doubles and triples so just know your role and accept your role and and don't try to play outside of your game like, your game is your game. And, like, we were just talking about with fighting. You can't get outside of yourself. You know, you can only do so much with what you have. So, me personally, I don't hit it a long way, relatively speaking. And I'm a pretty good iron player, pretty good short game putting guy. So, I lean on those strengths. And when I'm on a team, that's what I'm good for. So, don't be that golfer that tries to get out of their game and out hit everyone on the scramble team and and is talking shit like they're better than everyone. You're, you're all working towards the same goal. It's that gift card to the pro shop. It's those door prizes at the end. Maybe some drink tickets, you know. Just just accept who you are and roll with it. I like that. It's a good one. My uh, don't be that golfer for this week is a little little more technical, but 
when you go out to the range, this is just a lesson for all you guys. When you're hitting golf balls and you're if you're a general divot taker, which you should be, it has to be in the right spot to make good contact. I know exactly where this is going. Don't <laughs> hit balls in like totally different spots every time. If you're taking divots, set your ball right next to your last divot, take another divot right there and continue the process until there's one big divot pattern, either in a line, in a box, whatever it may be. The worst thing you can do is just take a shitload of divots and they're all scattered across the area of the hitting range because that A, makes it hard for the maintenance crew to fix. B, the next person's going to have a seizure looking down at the ground, seeing spots of dirt and then grass and not have a good space to hit. So when you're taking divots, when you're hitting range balls, take them in a pattern, some sort of manner where it looks respectable when you leave, helps the course people out, it helps the next person hitting out and it helps everybody out so absolutely that is a uh, a common common flaw with public golf courses i should feel like i uh do I you feel attacked no 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 i i feel like i do a good job with that but i i feel like i owe an apology to uh you know the the maintenance guys at spring valley because you know I, I i keep my divot patterns in a respectable order but you know every time i hit the range it's like my first six shots are like feel like so fat like eight inches behind the ball <laughs> and and i'm like what are you doing and then i look down and it's just like the soil is gone it's like down to the gravel um gotta bring out a, a fucking bobcat <laughs> yeah, we need an excavator to come fill back my divots <laughs> oh man well chase thank you so much uh for coming on to our pod we had a blast we learned a little bit about fighting uh i learned a lot more than i thought i would honestly just the the comparisons were unbelievable um i wouldn't recommend the general public go out and try it like it's comparable to golf that's definitely not something we're encouraging but yes go go find your local gym sign up for classes there you go go that way yeah go that for the way. record i've never been in any sort of fight or altercation outside of the gym in my entire life my first amateur fight <laughs> i took the guy down and i pummeled him and the ref stopped it and it was an incredible feeling but i still like if a fight breaks out in a bar or somewhere like i'm out the door like i want no part of oh it, see so. i'm the i'd be the opposite <laughs> if i had any idea how to fight i'd be wrecking people oh left and right God. just trying to assert myself no, go to your gym do it the right way just like <laughs> golf go to your go to go to these guys out at spring valley get a lesson learn the right way don't do it like me where you play for five six years and develop horrible habits <laughs> don't watch youtube videos on how to fight and try to do it yourself like go to these guys 100 they'll, they'll start you out right on the right path. go to your local professional for all of the above yeah exactly all right guys so we're gonna wrap this one up before we do, uh, today, when this podcast drops, Thursday, is DNVR's one-year anniversary. There is a mega sale. Brandon tweeted earlier that he is going to, quote, lose his ass on this sale. But they are selling everything at the DNVRlocker.com for super cheap. You guys can get any shirts you want, any hats, masks, sticker packs, anything. They are selling it all. It's all on sale. But if you're not buying on Thursday and you're listening to this podcast on a different day, you can always use our code BDE. You get ten dollars, or excuse me, ten percent off anything 
at the dnvrlocker.com. They got great shirts for the Rockies, Avs, Nuggets. We got a golf shirt here pretty soon. Dr- golf shirts coming soon. Now we got other sports out of the way. Gol- DNVR golf's going to... It's our time to shine, It's our baby. time to shine. We are, we are co- on the come up. So appreciate you for joining us, Chase. That was a great time. Uh, we could have talked for hours upon hours. But um, thank you guys for all for joining us. Once again, I am at Big Drive Spence on Twitter. I'm at Big Drive Mitch on Twitter. And follow us at under DNVR underscore golf. Chase is on Twitter. He's going to get back in the Twitter game <laughs> at Prison Stare, P-R-I-S-O-N-S-T-A-R-E. All you need to do is look at his, at, his, at his avatar, and it'll tell you everything you need to know about this dude and his fighting career and why, why Prison Stare is the name. So, Chase, <laughs> once again, thanks for joining us, man. We had a blast. We're out of here. Cheers. Cheers.